1: if you are international
0: and want to add that to your calendar so you don't have to do all the time conversions, head on over to lovereality.org slash circles and add the internet church circle to your calendar. Welcome back to The Move, where we're vibing through the book, 10 minutes at a time. I'm your host, Justin Q and in today's episode, we're talking about that time in the Bible when two uncircumcised billionaires get in a fight and decide not to be roommates anymore. If you're wondering, <laughs> what in the world am I talking about? We're talking about Genesis chapter 13, verses 1 through 18. My guest for today's episode is none other than Pastor Harold. Um, they're going to think that we're crazy, so let's talk about this idea of the title, uncircumcised billionaires going through a breakup and not being roommates anymore. We're talking about the story uh, of Abram and Lot, now for context, in the last episode abram uh sold his uh, his wife for a a couple donkeys it's it's you know it's a weird story (laughs) but it seems like now uh abram is leaving egypt and he's leaving with wealth and now we're introduced to someone who i believe if i remember correctly was only introduced in a genealogy someone called lot who will become an important figure in some of the stories as we move forward Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. Help me to understand what is the relationship between Abram and Lot? What are we supposed to understand about how these two interact with each other from our narrative from today?
2: Oh, man, that's good. I, I love how you teased up like the whole, like, previously. In...
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel um, like I, I'm doing homework from telenovelas uh trying to figure out how do we talk about <laughs> these stories. But, like, it's kind of funny because these stories in them of themselves, like... the 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 language that we're using to describe it is not uh uh, inaccurate even if it's not the healthiest painting of the picture but it's like yeah there's these two wealthy dudes who have to part ways because of whatever but some of the stories they do feel like uh, dramas right
2: yeah they do well i mean this is i think part of the text is the beauty of how um you know when you go back into the annals of history um Most most uh, recordings of history of the great empires and the great, you know, whatever, peoples, Mm. they don't necessarily show the ugly. There's only the good, right? There's the good, the bad, and the ugly. The Bible, which uh, I heard somebody once preach say like, yeah, that's proof. That's one of the evidences that they use that the Bible is written by God Hmm. In, in the sense of like, you know, he's the one that inspires it, et cetera, et cetera is that it includes the good, the bad, the ugly. There's no sugarcoating of any of the people that we would call heroes of faith. There is no covering their mistakes, dude. So when Abraham Abraham lies about his wife to a king because he's scared that the king is going to kill him, just shares it now lot is his nephew and we're introduced to this guy in chapter 12 so we've already been introduced to lot his nephew when you know after god talks to abram says hey depart from here um and lot goes with him so apparently lot and, and abram were in egypt together and now they go they they leave egypt because you know previously right. and now they're gonna go like up from egypt and they go into canaan and the story is interesting because apparently both of these guys are wealthy, as you've described. That's what the narrative says. They had a lot of livestock, they had a lot of gold, they had a lot of silver. I don't know, like the stock market was doing really good for these guys. They had invested in 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 uh, camel coin, and um, <laughs> it was it was great, dude. Mm-hmm. So, but but it's interesting because the text says that the land could not sustain both these guys. You no, know, just yeah. think about like think about how much livestock these two dudes had right and how many possessions they had that is, it says that the land could not sustain them it, so they it's started it's a crazy idea fights. because
0: because now for wealth you just carry on your phone you got all your bitcoins in the cloud or whatever the case is like your dodge coin, so, yeah your, your dogecoin <laughs> right it's just like <laughs> Being wealthy is – you can still be hypermobile in today's society, but then wealth was all, you know, ascribed to animals and, you know, like right. large groups of people and all these different kinds right. of things. It's like, man, okay. So, yeah, if you have too much of that, your entourage, yeah, your, 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 your crew, entourage, right?
2: Yeah, your entourage was massive and it just couldn't – so they, apparently the Bible says that these guys, they, they start not, – not Abram and Lot per se, mm-hmm. but they're herdsmen. So yeah,
0: like, it says the Canaanites and the Parasites.
2: Well the Canaanites and yeah, they they lived. The Canaanites and the Parasites dwelt in the land. So I think they're oh, trying it. to describe who lives in the land at that point.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And just they're just going at it. You know, this these livestock, they're they're going the herdsmen are going at it. So Abram here, being the wiser or older, I think steps in and says, Hey, listen, I don't want to fight with you because mm. family is for real, right? you just you hear this uh fast and furious family <laughs> and he's just like we're family we can't fight um so listen we need to we need to separate and and like you know like you see so much wisdom in abram here hmm. and then and you're like why didn't you use that in the previous chapter? <laughs> where that's was true. that?
0: <laughs> yeah, he's got this great skill of diplomacy all of a sudden. He's going to solve the family problems, you know. Right. And then he's just like, yeah, yep, yeah, that's not my wife. I'll take some donkeys instead. That'll be great. Sure. Sure. I see, you know. Um so which imagine how Sarah. Anyways. Yeah. Uh,
2: so they depart and and um, so he says, if you go there, I won't go here. If if you go there, I, like wherever you go, I will go the opposite direction. So he even gives lot like dibs. Mm. He literally well, is giving lot dibs on where to go. Yeah,
0: which I think is interesting because one of the inherent uh, dilemmas of his call was to go somewhere, and it's mm. the whole somewhere that's still in question. I I, I think from what I understand uh and he's still willing to like follow God's leading trying to figure out exactly what the plan is where he's supposed to be going and even in the middle of all this he's still defaulting his plans to the choices of lot instead ooh yeah that's yeah that you know
2: i had not seen that and i think that there is yeah there's certain yeah you know he's he's the one saying listen you you pick a place where i'll go uh where you go and i won't go there hmm. um and, and it would be interesting to see, like, what would have happened if he would have prayed first and allowed God to say, you know, I want you to go here. But then, I guess at this point, the Lord hadn't revealed necessarily the exact place of where they were going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lot picks what is described as the fertile valley of the Jordan, yeah. which um, is interesting. That is described; it looked like the Garden of the Lord. That right. that phrase is interesting, right? Like it looked mm-hmm. like the garden. It was so beautiful before Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed spoiler alert again sorry
1: mm-hmm.
2: that it looked like the garden of the lord and lot is like there that's the one i'm gonna go, i'm gonna go there you know yep. the nice place you know here's here's two cars do you want the old uh, toyota or do you want the brand new ferrari?
0: ferrari ferrari yep that's the one that's the one
2: and abram's like okay i'll i'll keep that toyota sienna <laughs>
0: I, I, what does it say about Abram's character that he's willing to give first dibs to his nephew? I think it says a lot, which is... <laughs> it says a lot um, oh, about his character. Shit. <laughs> but um, shit. Uh,
2: uh, it says a lot about his character that he's... I think it, that he's willing to, to do that. Um, and this is, I think, this is... When you look at the overall narrative, this is a key chapter because... After this, things are going to happen in the life of both of these characters that we're not going to get into right now because you're going to have some really cool people to talk about it. But this is sort of a setup, right? Mm -hmm. This is sort of a Mm -hmm. setup chapter. 13 is a setup chapter that is describing where Abram is going to go and where Lot is going to go and how Abram, once again, the Lord says, okay, now I need you to look east, look west, look north, look south. What you see is what you this is the land that I will give to you, so once again, the Lord reiterates the promise that he has made to Abram a few chapters ago where he has said, "Depart, go out from the from your land from the household of your father and so this promise is once again reiterated to Abram, and I think that this is a this is a key plot point in which Abram receives the affirmation that even Even when he gets to the old, the not so appealing um, Mm. piece of land that the Lord is like, actually, that's how I'm going to bless you. Yeah. You know?
0: I, I think this is really cool because it it shows us where the emphasis of the story is. And, and mm-hmm. maybe we could read into this that Abraham had zero clue what's going on. Maybe we could read into it that he's indecisive. Maybe we can uh, read into it that he's just not wise enough to know the opportunity that's in front of him. Or maybe we read into it that he's hyper humble and willing to give the best to his family and put family first or something along like that. There's a lot of ways we could read into the story, but I think the thing that stands out is that God is able to adapt to any one of those circumstances. Mm -hmm. And and I, I don't think that the important point is where Abraham shows or ends up and where lot ends up, but instead that God's willing to show up no matter where they were at that, that when God made the, made the promise to Abraham or to Abram at that point, chapter or two before that he is able to fulfill that promise no matter where Abram is going.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And I think that there is something also to rescue here that is in the text is that the inhabitants uh, aside from what you're saying is that the inhabitants. So, so Abram is able to adapt, ad- adapt, uh, to the circumstances where he has, and the Lord is still going to bless him, right? Like the Lord mm-hmm. is saying, okay, this is where, and he's going to reiterate the entire blessing once again of the land, et cetera, et cetera. Inheritance, which is, it. it's like, a, it's a key feature when you talk about like um, the whole covenant and the whole promise. Inheritance was 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 a key feature, the land. um, But Lot is picking the nice looking place, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm but that is parenthetically described as it had evil and wicked men in it. Right. Like, so the description is like, it looked beautiful. Right. Mm. However, there's a caveat that is filled with evil and wicked men. So, um, and, and already it's setting up um, verse 13 and the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. So right. it's already setting up, right. It's already setting up like the, the, the reason, uh, eh? The reason why Sodom will be punished is already being set up mm-hmm. there. Uh, mm-hmm. Spoiler alert: but yeah. you don't know why. So Lot is willing to forego to 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 ignore that description mm-hmm. as long as he gets the better
0: looking place. Right? Yeah. It, it reminds me of that, like that uh, that lesson of you know not judging a book by its cover. Uh, not mm-hmm. everything is always as good on the inside as it seems on the outside, and it seems like mm-hmm. uh, Lot is. is prioritizing one specific thing which is interesting because it's the thing that he already has right he's already wealthy he's already mm. taken care of he's already you know yeah. Yeah, doing yeah, yeah. well off and this is the thing that he decides to to prioritize even still
2: yeah he is definitely well to do you're right and and he he it's almost like he i don't know if he, if you could get into lot psyche you know and and try to figure out but isn't that how we we sometimes just act as human beings right we get ourselves and pick what the, the biggest juiciest apple or the biggest slice of cake or um and we ignore the implications of the decision that we're making you know place place with two two seemingly uh, different decisions we will we will gravitate there's this book that comes to mind um from a guy named Dan Ariely called predictably irrational hmm. it's a fascinating book about um about uh, behavioral economics Fascinating book, one of my favorite books. And he talks about this uh, propensity in humanity of making the most irrational choices, even though we think we are being rational. And it's hmm. because of the emotions that we put into the decisions we make. It's because of the things that we say are not factoring into our decision making, but they are. So, as human beings, we have a tendency of sometimes ignoring the clear indicators of this is going to be a bad decision even though it looks like something good because you mm. would think that exceedingly wicked and sinful men would be a place like, well, I don't really want to go live there. You know, this right. that's a high crime rate. Like, yeah. yeah, it's, it's beautiful like Beverly Hills, but it's got a crime rate. Like, dude, why do you want to go mm. there? But it doesn't yeah. matter. It doesn't even have to be crime like, you know, muggings and killings. Maybe it was a place where people were selfish and, and, and they didn't care for their neighbors. Like, which, oddly enough, you know, later on in Ezekiel, you actually discover that that is the reason why uh, hmm. what happens is because they were self-centered, because they did not care for their neighbor, because hmm. there was not a whole lot of love in this city, right? Yeah. And Lot, instead of going with the, what you would think is a, is a, and this also puts in the question, I guess, where Lot's spiritual uh uh, righteousness was, like was he in tune, was he as in tune with God as Abram was right, and right. that he's like, well
0: exceedingly sinful, maybe I shouldn't go there, no, he just goes, he's like, he might I'm gonna go yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 one of the other passages in scripture where, oh, Abraham's, Abram is mentioned many times in scripture, but one where it's referencing this story is actually in Hebrews 11, where it talks about um, Abram obeyed when he was called to go to a place he was about to receive as an inheritance. He goes out not knowing where he was going. Verse 10 Mm -hmm. of Hebrews 11 says, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. It's mm-hmm. It seems like a contrast from, from what Lot is looking for. Lot is looking at the land. He's looking at the wealth. He's looking at the lusciousness of this land, whereas uh, Abram is almost looking at at the same parcel of land, but seeing it through a completely different lens. He's wondering, is right. this the kind of place that has its foundations and its and its design is, is built by God? And maybe that's, I mean, who knows?
2: Maybe that was part of the reason why Abram tells Lot, you go first. You pick first. Mm-hmm you know, Mm. knowing that he like knowing the understanding of what the promise was, you know, Mm -hmm. even though it's, it's early in the chapter, it's early in the experience of Abram, but maybe understanding what the promise was is that Abram says, you pick first and wherever you go, I will go the opposite way because I don't want this to divide us. You know? Yeah. I I, I don't want this to, to end our familial relationship. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm. Hmm. One thing I appreciate about, uh, Abram's kind of, uh, temperament in this story is how almost like loosey goosey he is about like these massive decisions in his life. Like, I mean, this is a significant shift, right? Like, where's my whole family and my entourage and where are we going to spend, you know, the next season of our life? Like, that's kind of a big deal but he doesn't seem to be overtly stressed about making the quote unquote right decision. And I think about what it was like for me when I was in college, asking myself the kinds of questions like, what's my purpose? What is my mission in life? What has God called me to do? And I was always so afraid of making the wrong decision. And it wasn't until I actually heard an illustration by a friend of mine saying that God, the way that God leads us, isn't like there's a right answer and a wrong answer per se. Like obviously there's things that we maybe shouldn't be doing and better things that we could be doing instead, But he said, the way that God leads us is is much more like a GPS where it's like, yeah, you might make a wrong turn, but even if you made a wrong turn, God has the ability to redirect you. And so Mm. the kind of pressure that we put on ourselves to get everything right all the time doesn't necessarily need to be there because God is so much bigger, whether God is so much bigger than if we make the right or the wrong decision. And I like that mm. because here Abraham is not, it doesn't seem like he's so pressed to make the right decision about where to go. It's almost as though his faith is not placed in his ability to make good decisions per se. Clearly, look at the last chapter, mm. but his faith is more placed in God's ability to get him to where he's promised to be.
2: Mm. I think that the perspective also play. There's some commentators that like to, to like to notice the difference Mm -hmm. um, on how Lot raised his eyes and he saw the region of Sodom. Yeah, Abram raised his eyes when God told him to raise his eyes, and he sees the entire region. So whereas Lot Mm. is focused, you know, on this, he's zoned in onto this small part. Abram is looking at the entire thing, so it it almost likes to play onto this what 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 the whole. Idea that you expressed of how God redirects our steps. It's also, I guess, um, highlighting how that with with God, your perspective is different, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can actually you can actually adapt to different circumstances because your perspective is different. It it mm-hmm. doesn't it doesn't mean it's going to be comfortable because yeah I don't I, yeah like you say I don't think it's necessarily comfortable to. You know, we're established, we're here, this is nice. I'm sure Sarah had bought she had remodeled the kitchen. Um, you know. Yep. <laughs> Which Abram owed her that at least sure. after mm-hmm. after what you did in Egypt, I'm remodeling <laughs> the whole house. And you're yes. not saying a word. And he's like, Yes, baby, that's it. And then he shows up and says, Uh, we like you we moved again. In?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> So mm. in this chapter we see Abram and Lot separating different ways. Lot goes down yeah. towards Sodom, and Abram ends up. Where did he end up? Uh, in Hebron, uh, is that what it is?
2: No, he says, um, yeah, uh, which are in Hebron. It's it's this place called um, dwelt by the tabernacle th- treason of Mamre, which are in Hebron, yeah, right. Hebron, and built an altar there to the Lord. Which again, it's like the the it's the the marker in the text of like. This is where he's establishing, you know, he's building a, an altar to God here. He's going to worship, right? Early in the chapter, he also called the name of the Lord. Right. So That's right. This,
0: yeah. There's a multiple times where like this altar kind of uh, is pointing out, pointed out. Yeah. Kind
2: of like where you live is where you worship. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's interesting that this life is is like worship is central to life for him. It's not just something that you, that you do it's seemingly it's not something that you do once a week, you know, mm-hmm. for one hour uh, at a cool church, but it's a it's something that you 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 do. It's part of life. It is so central that to designate the place where you are living, you're pitching your tent and you're building an altar, mm-hmm. right? Like a, a place of worship.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, in our next episode, we'll see how this seemingly small decision of where these people end up. Uh, has some uh, ramifications. There are some consequences as a result of those decisions. So stay oh, tuned. We'll tell. see you guys. Say it again? <laughs> please do, <laughs> do tell. tell. <laughs> do tell. On our next episode, of, we'll see, uh, we'll be discussing this and and, and talking about how, how these decisions bear fruit in the lives and yet God still decides to show up. So we'll see you guys in our next episode. So Harold is a giant nerd, as we've discussed in previous episodes. And he referenced a book that maybe if you're also a nerd, you may enjoy. Harold, what's the name of the book? And again, give us like your best like 30-second pitch as to why nerds should buy this book. Uh,
2: okay, so this book is called Predictably Irrational. It is written by a guy named Dan Ariely. He is a researcher, and it's basically about behavioral economics. Um, so... He talks about how um, we might think that we are making informed decisions or we might think that we're making unbiased decisions, but in reality, they're not unbiased. So it talks a lot about like uh, your, our, our biases, our, uh, oh, the term escapes me right now, uh, conscious bias or unconscious bias. Um, it's got really cool descriptions of, um, of experiments done to people like live experiments not not wires or stuff being injected in them (laughs) Sure, but social experiments social experiments where people like make the most predictably irrational decisions hence the title Mm -hmm. of the book is predictably irrational by dan ariel so yeah great book super entertaining fast read i think but um one of the books that i i just i cherish that book it's super fun and i've used it uh, in teaching my classes
0: Oh, okay. What was one of the lessons that that book kind of highlighted for you? Uh,
2: that you can, um, it has to do with an experiment that, uh, he played out in MIT and that I did with my students five years running, um, which was, uh, when presented with the opportunity to cheat, most likely you will cheat. It's 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 remarkable, Uh, you know, most likely will cheat. So I would I would basically set up four groups of of students. I divide my class in four and I would give each of them the same test, but I would add certain elements that would allow them to cheat and get away with it. Hmm. Um, And so the third group was the one the third group was the one that would actually go and cheat full on. Right. Because they had an answer sheet next to that, that they didn't have to turn in. Um, and always the scores were the base group was the first group that was the, that was your case study group. It was like, you know, they would get like a 13 out of 15 or a 10 out of 15 because the test was a little bit, it was, it wasn't easy. It was a little bit hard. The second would go a little higher because they didn't have to turn in the answer sheet. Uh, and then the third one was 15 out of 15, always same (laughs) test. The fourth group, they would have the same probabilities and same possibilities, but the exception was that they had to start the test by writing out the Ten Commandments. They had to write guilt. out the Ten Commandments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. just guilt. Exactly. And here's the thing. What their scores were, just like the first group.
0: Huh.
2: Even with the opportunity to like get away with it. So Dan Ariely's conclusion is that a lot of times the reminder of an external law, oddly enough, <laughs> mm. uh, will remind people to be honest. And that presented with the opportunity to get away with something, most likely you will. And it was just remarkable to see the same results every single year. For five years, I got to see the same exact results on the class that I taught at Union College. So, yeah, Dan Ariely, a particularly irrational, super nerdy book, but I, I think it's a fun book.
0: There you go. All you nerds, check them out.